0: Welcome to the the BeyondTheBaselines.com podcast, coming to you from Vero Beach, Florida, and Marion, Massachusetts. Hosted by Ed Shanafee, this is the podcast that researches and investigates the club management and facilities side of our business.
1: Hi, and welcome to the Beyond the Baseline podcast. I'm Ed Shanafee, your host, and each week it's my pleasure to bring you the news and the views from the private members' club and boutique hotel industries. This week, we're talking about the grass being greener with Maurice Gardner, grass court maintenance extraordinaire. Maurice was the former groundskeeper at the Wesson Lawn Tennis Club out there in Pontiac, Michigan, and he tells us his own story, just how the club came into being and how he became the grass court cutting king. His devotion to his craft is evident and his knowledge of court play and utilization is extensive, something we should all think about across any type of surface. Randy Walker, our associate, discusses how grass court play might be gaining momentum in the States and brings several ideas to the table in this discussion with LeMaurice. But before I welcome Randy and his witty conversation to the podcast, I wanted to remind our listeners just what we do here at BeyondTheBaselines.com, whether it's an executive search for that new director of golf or tennis, or you're looking for a new management team, our extensive experience and wizened hand in terms of consultancy can move your club, hotel, or facility into a direction you may never have dreamed of. We manage clubs, provide interim management, and also serve as remote sports directors and department heads, lifting the day-to-day drudgery of management to new heights and bringing that new energized feel to any facility. So call us today on 508-538-1288 for a free consultation and meet our team here at BeyondTheBaselines.com. But now, without any further ado, here's my doubles partner since the ripe age of 14, Randy Walker, speaking about grass courts with the grass court cutting king, LeMaurice. Take it away, Randy.
2: Hey everybody, Randy Walker here, and uh, I wanna introduce our guest, La Maurice Gardner, Lama Gardner, uh, Lama, great to have you here. I met Lama, uh, gosh, I think it was 2017 when I took a visit to the yeah. Wesson Lawn Tennis Club in Pontiac, Michigan, the Grass Court Tennis Club. I think it was the first grass court tennis club that was started in the United States in like a hundred years, and then the next year in 2018, we hosted a $10,000 open prize money tournament that we labeled the U.S. Grass Court Championships and uh, got to hang out with uh, Lama when he was uh, working the courts and uh, keeping the courts in great shape. They probably were the best grass courts uh, in the United States. And, um, you know, we've uh, stayed in touch since then. And uh, we've had a lot of great conversations about grass court tennis and, uh, you know, you're an expert in that. We've had some great ideas, so I thought it would be a good idea for us to have a chat and you can kind of spread your knowledge to all the people out there are the, the tennis club directors and general managers and club owners and entrepreneurs and grass court fanatics that can, you know, take advantage of your expertise and maybe learn a few things about grass court tennis.
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. As you said, you know, we've spoken a lot about grass court tennis. I'm sure I've taught you some things uh, along the way. Um, you know, I was back then in 2017, 2018. I was just just a basic groundskeeper there. Uh, managed to work, myself, work my way up there at the tennis club. Um, by the end of it, I was kind of running things, so pretty knowledgeable on the subject. Um, and I went to Rutgers Professional Golf Turf Management for their uh, turf grass program. So got even more knowledgeable on the subject in 2020, 2021. Um,
2: but maybe if you want to start, like, you know, we, you know how you kind of became involved, uh, you know, at Weston Lawn Tennis Club. You were, you were, you know, in the neighborhood, and that was kind of your first introduction to tennis and grass courts. And then, you know, you, you, you wanted to learn more, and then that led
3: you to Rutgers to get an official degree. Uh-huh. I mean, it started, if we want to go way, way back, we start when I was uh, about four years old. I started playing tennis. My mom dropped me in some classes that I started doing USTA tournaments around nine or 10. Um, then, uh, when about 16 years old, uh, the Western Lawn Tennis Club was, was starting its construction back in around 2013 is when they started construction. And, um, you know, as a fan of tennis, I hopped on board in 2014, um, just this little high school kid. <laughs> Getting in there, uh, uh, just just to do something, in in the field. Um, and I never left. Uh, I was sixteen when I started. Uh, finally finished at twenty four. So I spent eight years doing that. I just stuck around, kept learning things over the years. Um, kept picking things up, and you know, as the guy that was sticking around, and and grasping the concepts of it, you know. Bill Massey was uh was the owner, uh, previous owner of West Lawn Tennis Club. He um said, Hey, I'm gonna take care of you, I'll send you off to, to grass school somewhere so you can um you can work on things around here and be the guy. Um, I don't know if he knew he was gonna be going off and doing all the things that he was doing, or if he just was just trying to get someone to to fill that slot, but um it all worked out, especially with the uh, COVID coming around. Definitely needed somebody that, <laughs> to be there and and run things. Well, maybe we'll
2: talk a little bit about Bill. I mean, Bill Massey is just a tremendous guy and, uh, you know, founded the the Wesson Lawn Tennis Club. He basically um, purchased a public works, you know, factory, et cetera, and was kind of obsessed with grass court tennis. And he created, was it 22 grass courts that was were there or?
3: We had 24 at our peak. Um, We sized down eventually as the years went by. Uh, But at one point, yeah, we had 24, 22 when you came and visited because we were planning on building the stadium.
2: And, uh, you know, this was I mean, there was an article in the Detroit newspaper and then in the New York Times and, uh, you know, you know, Talking about how it was the first grass court club built in the United States in like a hundred years, and uh, you know one of the things that, that that Bill was preaching was the fact that the grass was the exact grass as Wimbledon because it was perennial rye grass mm-hmm. and it was the same kind of uh, longitude as uh as england so it was a similar climate there in suburban detroit than it was in uh, london but maybe you could talk a little bit about you know what perennial rye grass is versus kind of just you know your regular
3: grass yeah so uh you have two types of grass first off you have warm season grasses and cool season grasses your warm season grasses are typically bermuda um a lot of golf courses don't run with perennial rye but a lot of the sports turf uh, is running for near rye It's a very strong grass, and it also grows back very quickly. I mean, you can take a divot out and uh, put down seeds, and two weeks it'll look like nothing's even happened. And um and being a, a cool season grass, where like he uh, said, we're at the 46th parallel, so we're on par with England. So we pretty much look at their their training program out there and run a very similar one. Obviously, they have a much higher budget. <laughs> They can afford to replace their grass every year uh ours is the same um bed every year coming back we just uh prepare for winter damage and then deal with the winter damage uh before the next season starts um but other than that it's all basically the same grass uh they cut a little bit lower we cut at three eighths um just because we're not running a couple week long tournament we're trying to run it for the entire year um so we have to be able to deal with the weather a lot more uh said it was
2: cut at eighths. so what would be like uh what would wimbledon or some of the grass court terms what would they cut it at
3: so wimbledon i believe cuts it at three three eights during normal times and then they scalp it lower for their tournaments for for wimbledon um i can't tell you offhand what height they they cut down to um not with confidence but it's uh, a little bit more than half of that
2: um but the, the one thing that was uh that, you know that bill was uh you know, uh, saying to me and to everybody, just, the you know, the durability and the true brat bounce. I mean, I, I played on some grass mm-hmm. courts and, you know, basically you hit one, you know, the ball just dies, you know, you can't really hit a ground stroke, but you know, when, when I was playing out there at, at Weston, the courts, the, 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 uh, you know, there was, uh, it was still, you know, grass court tennis, but the, the ball bounced a lot more true and you had a lot more rallies and it was tougher too. It was really harder to kind of, you know, get those, uh, you know, scuffs and divots and so forth. I mean, the, all the courts look 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 pristine, but but the, the bounce was true and
3: you could you could have based on rallies. hmm This is uh this is one thing that Bill did that I thought was kind of interesting as I was learning at Rutgers. Um is that we did it we did our soil composition a little differently than um, most places in the country do for, for any sports. Most of the time you tend to have a loose soil with uh top dressing sand on top for golf and for tennis you know um what bill decided was that he was gonna use michigan's natural uh like hard pack clay uh soil we're gonna put topsoil over it for the the grass to grow into. to once it's taken root we're gonna keep that as tough as it is now it made for some uh some interesting days uh dealing with water and and wetness on the grass but uh, ultimately it made for basically a hard surface of clay with grass on top so the sub level beneath gave less <laughs>
0: Whether you are a member-owned club or a corporate hotel entity, we are the specialist for you in elite hospitality. It's not just the members that should feel loyalty to their club. It's the sense of loyalty combined with the pride of offering superior service and hospitality in every worker that makes a good club that much better. Beyond the Baselines is the leading executive search firm for private members clubs and boutique resorts From the kitchens to the courts, the practice tees to the waterfront, Beyond the Baselines is your partner to find the best in-class employees for your club, facility, or resort. So find that right candidate with us today. Call us today at 508-538-1288. That's 508-538-1288. Or visit us on the web at beyondthebaselines.com.
2: So what would be kind of like for those out there listening that, uh, you know, maybe they have, uh, you know, grass courts at their at their club or they're planning on it. Like what's kind of like the maintenance schedule, like, you know, uh, when do you cut the grass? Do you like, you know, get up at the crack of dawn at five o'clock in the morning and are you on there cutting the grass? I remember seeing you every morning during when we had the US grass courts there. Uh, you know, you were lining, you know, doing new lines and you were rolling the courts and so forth. But just talk a little bit about kind of what a day and what a week and maybe what a month is like, you know, at a grass court facility.
3: So um, my weeks tend to vary based on uh, what events we had going on. And if you wanted to see an example of how things are run, I mean, you could look at Wimbledon and look at different golf courses because they run kind of the same way. You're a little bit more lenient. You're starting a little bit later. And by later, I mean, you know, seven, eight or nine versus five or six uh, on on weeks where you don't have any events or any tournaments going on. I typically cut every day. that's just how Bill wanted. It. He wanted it to cut every day. There were times, uh, where with weather, if it's too hot, we would let it grow a little bit and just water. Um, and then if it's too wet, um, because we didn't want to put any uh any marks in the grass. Uh, those are only weather dependent. Are the days that we would not cut because even if we're fertilizing, even if we're we're watering even if we're putting down uh, fungicide, all those days we still cut in the morning before doing all of that work. So the first two hours of the day, depending on the crew, um, if it was just me, it'd be the first four hours of the day. Um, so two to four hours of the day would be pretty much just dedicated to cutting. And then the rest of the crew, when I had up to six guys, we would have, you know, one guy would be pulling, one guy would be cutting, the long grass on the surrounds. Um, Afternoons come around and typically be hot. Even in Michigan, it gets to the 90s. um, So someone's usually on the courts watering. um, Or if we have people playing, we'll have them playing on one section. We'll be watering another section. Um, Our typical week, other activities in the afternoon revolve around Maintaining the machines, keeping up the oil, um, lining the courts since, you know, unlike a golf course, we have to paint the lines. Those typically start to fade every two days because remember we're cutting every day. So when we cut the grass, the, the, the lights tend to fade a bit faster. Um, lining, fertilizing, spreading fungicide, like I said, um, then on event weeks, things, ramp up a lot more because we have a big block of time in the middle of the day where we can't do any of those things because um for the tournament that you at you were at and then the 5560 that we used to host that was our, our USCA national we would have uh, 120 or so people come and play those tournaments uh, we, we were all full up so we'd get there four, five, six o'clock in the morning start cutting and then typically by six or seven in the evening depending on when daylight starts to die down um right around when the the dew comes in um we'll blow off the lines and repaint them so we can have a fresh set of lines for the next tournament because um or the next tournament day because players playing on the grass will typically also make the lines fade and between those two things that's about the most we can get out of a tournament day we just we're just focused on getting the grass to look good because we don't want to be running too many machines around the uh, competitors while they're playing. Like they want to enjoy their play.
2: Now, now, what about like, would there be some courts that would be, I mean, uh, 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 like out of play? Like I know when we were hosting the U.S. grass courts that uh, I think, you know, we only used like 10 courts, you know, and then 10 and then like, and then the other, you know, 10 or 11 courts were, you know, we're, we're, we're resting. And then, I mean, is there like kind of a, a system there where, you know, I mean, I don't think bill really had, you know, 22 courts going at the same time, but I mean, is it kind of like an alternating, like 11, one day, 11, the other day, or, you know, using, you know, knocking this row of courts out for a couple of days and, you know, what, what's kind of the process of when a court gets, you know, taken offline.
3: So, um, everything is, is, Based on, you know, as the superintendent, I would see it and what I see on the courts would be the determination as to whether or not it could play or not. And the, the great thing about having the 22 courts and why people would always tell us like our courts look so good is because we don't have people playing on the same courts, pounding them every single day. Um, like we can jump off from one court to, to another. We can leave one court to rest. Like I said, we would take two weeks to plant seeds if people put a bunch of divots in them. So one court may be not played for two weeks, Um, but that was okay because we had four banks of courts that we could rotate through throughout the week um, or throughout the weeks.
2: Now, now, talk a little bit about also like the equipment, you know, so you and I have had, you know, conversation, uh, you know, about like, you know, the, you know, it's not just like your regular, you know, Home Depot <laughs> lawnmower. I mean, you have to have a, a serious lawnmower and serious equipment for, um, you know, having grass courts. And you and I have talked a bit about, you know, just the synchronicity with golf clubs. But why don't you talk a little bit about what specifically Bill had and what he had to buy. Uh, you know, to maintain those courts and a little bit about the costs of what does it cost for a liner? What does it cost for a a roller? What does it cost for a mower? If you're just having an exclusive grass court tennis, you know, only facility, not, not talking about a partnership with a golf club, but if, if you, if you just have a grass grass court and no other, you know, uh, 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 mowers or anything as part of the club to take advantage of.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So the the most important machines that we had were the uh, the walk behind uh, reel mowers. So those were about ten thousand a piece. Those were Jacobson Eclipse twos. Ten thousand dollars a piece for a lawnmower. Mhm, brand new. So um those got the most use. Uh, being the walk behind, it could handle when the grass is wet. You don't want the big mowers on there. So if it rained the night before, you know, we'd have the the, the walk-behinds walk going on it. And same thing with if it's too hot, you don't want a giant mower pushing down on it. So those ones got the most use. Um, the maintenance on those is pretty cheap once you get them, though. I mean, the, the Jacobsons were a pretty high-end mower, uh, which I think Bill did on purpose. And maintaining them, I had some belts that would break every once in a while but those would be easy to get to um and then the big mower that i was talking about was a was a five-bladed uh diesel jacobson i think it's a super lf 80 was the designation on it that was about a forty thousand dollar mower new
2: forty thousand dollars for a a high-end mower Uh
3: uh-huh that was the that was the one that you'd see bill riding around on top of uh, (laughs) That one, it's a lot faster to get the, get the courts done with that one. Um, other equipment, the painter that we use was a, was a three wheeled manual push painter. It's basically a bucket with a wheel in that bucket that rolls another wheel that rolls a wheel that stripes the lines down onto the grass. Um, that was around 1500, I believe when he got it brand new. Um, we also had a Husqvarna riding mower for all the the long grass because for the four acres of of courts worth that we had, there's another three acres of, of just long grass outside to to look just pretty. Just kind of well.
2: barriers, barriers around the courts, yeah.
3: Uh huh. So that was, I think you can find those for two to three thousand right now, brand new. Um, so what's the tab here? We got a 10000 we got a 40000
2: we got a $1,500 liner, we got another 4000 so we're, t- we're talking, you know, uh, almost $60,000 at this point.
3: Yeah, I think we're around there. And then uh, throw another 60000 for, if you're building the place from the ground up, uh, we had a tractor, a Kubota tractor, that I believe he also got new, that has forks on the front and then a cedar on the back. At least the one that we did. Um, then you got golf carts. I'm not 100% sure on the uh, on the price of a, a new golf cart or a used golf cart. We got ours from uh, the golf course that we actually worked with. That was just down the street from us. So we did a we did a little bit of work for them, and they would do work on our machines for us because they didn't have the kind of tractor that Bill had. So we get some good deals out of them.
2: Yeah, so one of the things that you and I've been talking about is, you know, you're looking at these costs. And uh, well, let me ask you, OK, so if you were going to create a, uh, a row of six uh, or you know, six or eight grass courts, you know, what would be the co- from scratch? And you were just going to create it right there not talking about the equipment to maintain it that we just discussed, but what would it cost, you know, per court or per like a row of six courts to create six grass courts?
3: So I put together the numbers and I believe that if you had the equipment um, and even calculating labor for, for putting all this stuff in, I think you're looking at around $90,000 average for putting in an acre's worth of courts.
2: Okay, so how many how many could you fit in an acre? You think?
3: Uh, you get about six quarts in that.
2: Okay, ninety thousand for six for six quarts. Okay. Hmm. So, um, you know, one of the things that you know that we have been talking about is, you know, to make this kind of financially viable for a club or you know an entrepreneur and so forth is you really have to have access to that uh, grass cutting and grass maintenance um, uh, equipment. And, uh, I think you and I were talking about, like, I, I had suggested to you, like, well, what if you, if you, if you're at a, at a, at a golf club and you just tell the golf club people, just, Hey, just make another extra putting green and put netting net posts there. And you have a, have a, um, you know, your grass court tennis club, but you even said that it's really, uh, it, it really is actually, Just like having an extra fairway, it doesn't even have to to be as low as a as a putting green. So, you know, Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about the comparisons of a grass tennis court to a golf course green or a golf course uh, fairway or tee box.
3: Yeah, that's uh, that's absolutely right. Um, Like when I went through uh, Rutgers, I went to the Rutgers Professional Golf Tour Golf Turf Management Program. So I was there with a class of thirty six other people interested in turf, but they were all Every single one of them into the golf uh field everyone was on a golf course somewhere but we all learned the same thing and um it's my job is sort of easier than theirs was because they had to deal with like you said putting greens which are cut at half the height and are way more subject to disease the fairways are a lot easier to maintain you don't have to be as precise on the cut uh with the uh with the reels you don't have to put down as much um as much fertilizer and and fungicides for it or pesticides so all of the things that it would take to maintain uh the grass tennis courts are is already information that the superintendent and the assistant supers would know at um at a golf course and again all their equipment is the same thing without the exception being buying net posts and nets and uh, a painter Everything else is, is the same stuff. You can hook into your, your same irrigation systems. It's all gonna be the standard equipment that you're running with. So if you're comfortable running with rainbirds and Toros, you can stick with your rainbird irrigation and your Toro mowers. If you will have Jacobson's and you have a, an automated system, all this stuff, you can use your own equipment exactly the same as you'd use it for a fairway, even easier. So just cause it's it's flat. I mean that would be another added cost um, to both if you were to build a place and if you had a golf course is is leveling out the land. But again, once you have it initially set up, you're looking at barely any water and just a few extra hours of labor to cut it to maintain um, an acres worth of of courts. So that's basically like you know
2: half a fairway of a short par four, <laughs> mm-hmm. <Yeah. laughs> uh, you know, and that, and that's, I think is the interesting thing that is if, if there are ten, if there are, you know, golf clubs out there that have vibrant tennis programs um, and if they do have, you know, an acre, half acre, et cetera, and they have all those equipment, it's, 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 it wouldn't cost that much more to just add in some grass court tennis club, t- tennis courts um, and, you know, or, or if you're an entrepreneur and you want to, you know, create some grass courts on, a, on, a, on a, you know, a slab of land, if you're able to find that slab of land that's, you know, in very close proximity to a golf club, you could do a deal with the golf club and say, hey, listen, we'll you know, borrow, you know, could you borrow, you know, could you mow our grass or, you know, maintain our grass, you know, in exchange for, you know, your members get to play or, you know, or you could just, you know, rent them, which would be a, a whole lot more, a whole, whole lot more savings than, than, than buying all this equipment.
3: Mm-hmm. Our, uh, like I said, uh, Crystal Lake golf course in Pontiac was uh, very helpful and friendly to us. We, they would use some of our equipment and then, they would, if we ever had any problems, they would maintain our equipment, and then we could also just come to them for advice. I mean, if you're an entrepreneur and you're you're trying to say you've got a, a spread a brown patch going through, any any superintendent's going to know how to deal with that. So having people to lean on uh, is is super good, especially you know, like golf is not in competition with tennis it's not like they're gonna see you as a threat to their membership even if you don't have any membership sort of agreement um and then like you said a membership agreement uh, also works out well i mean i don't know if you've, you've talked to anybody from the west in indoor tennis club but uh our members got a discount over there so we had two tennis clubs that were right next to each other coexisting
0: At Beyond the Baselines, we have over 25 years of experience with management of private members clubs and boutique resorts. Whether it's finding the inefficiencies caused by the blurring of roles between management and board governance, managing a single department, or educating and mentoring a key employee, we have served the private members club industry like no other consultancy since 2007. Partnering with club governing bodies and working alongside management, we bring a team of highly specialized and experienced associates for that personal touch and hands-on management style to achieve long-term goals with short-term results. At Beyond the Baselines, we understand the traditions and importance of membership, but history and connections to a bygone era shouldn't inhibit growth. In fact, we believe they can be a catalyst for change. So please visit our website at beyondthebaselines.com or give us a call at 508-538-1288. That's 508-538-1288. 88.
2: But, but talk a little bit about, you know, what you experienced with the membership at Wesson Lawn Tennis Club, uh, you know, as far as the allure of grass, you know, I mean, like, there's so many people that I talk to in the tennis world, and, uh, you know, or just tennis fans, and they would just love to play on grass and have that one chance and, you know, they'll try to go to, you know, Newport or, you know, any opportunity they have to, to play on grass, because it's just something that is so, you know, elusive to so many people. But just talk a little bit about, you know, the excitement that that the membership had at your club of playing grass and kind of maybe what you experienced by, you know, people coming in to play, you know, tournaments there or, you know, we're guests and just talk a little bit about the excitement, you know, because it just, it, 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 does add a lot of value, I think to a club. Mm-hmm. And it just adds a lot of excitement, but just talk a little bit about what some of your experiences with that.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Our members love the grass. Uh, it was great coming out, especially as I was, uh, I was working hard on the grass and for them to come off and be like, they're, they're playing great today. Lama it was like, ah, oh, it's great to hear, you know, it's, it's so satisfying to, to, to go out on something like that. And, um, uh, our members, uh, particularly older uh, members, loved it too because um, you you, you, it's a lot better on your knees. Um, that's one thing I didn't even think about until working at the tennis club is um, that, that people come out and play three four times a week, which wouldn't have people who wouldn't be able to play otherwise on hard courts. It just takes a toll on your body after a while playing tennis i'm still young so i don't have to deal with that yet but uh, definitely well, um,
2: unless you want to like dive like boris becker on the court <laughs> and so forth but uh but still that's uh you know i mean i think if people belong to you know a clay court tennis club or a hard court tennis club or indoor tennis club and they have an opportunity to also play grass i mean it, mm-hmm. you know you could really you know get get those people to uh you know, to, uh, you know, to play. So, uh, you know, I mean, you and I kind of had a a business meeting, uh, you know, down when we were meeting in, in Fort Pierce, Florida, when you were down there with your boat and we were talking about, you know, gosh, you know, I mean, uh, Weston Lawn Tennis Club uh, is uh, uh, Bill Massey, the the owner. He did sell the club and, um, you know, the status of the club right now is uh, is up in the air. So we don't know, uh, you know, what's going to happen with the new ownership and so forth. But, you know, you're a free agent. And, uh, you know, we talked about like, gosh, you know, you would really be a great asset to, um, you know, some of these country clubs. Like if they wanted to add in, you know, four or six or eight, you know, grass courts uh, to their club, you know, or if there's an on Entrepreneur, I mean, we were looking at land down here in Vero Beach, Florida, and thinking, "Gosh, what if we just kind of put in eight grass courts here, you know, next to XYZ Golf Club and so forth?" But you know, just talk a little bit about how feasible that is, and what you could do, and and uh, you know, do a do a little uh, promotion for for you and your services, and what you could do for um, you know, installing grass court tennis clubs, grass court grass court tennis courts.
3: Uh huh yeah as you said um the tennis club is sold so i'm a, a free agent right now i do um just freelance work uh i'm pretty well known in the community around here so people call on me if i ever really need any landscaping grass or tree work um but the only part-time or full-time anything that i do outside of here is i do work with the navy and then i'm a, a sailing instructor out in virginia but at the drop of the pad, if, a contract comes up in which someone um needs uh guidance on this somebody says man i really want to start a grass tennis court here but i don't know where to start i can be that jumping off point i can build you a, a budget build you a schedule these are all things that i learned in um in rutgers turfgrass school and put to use during the two years that i was in charge over at wesson and would love to Put to use again um i'd love to see grass tennis build uh what we were trying to build unfortunately the timing is just bad at wesson with you know COVID going on losing a lot of membership but um it's definitely a feasible and definitely profitable thing that you could do i mean we had 150 people at some tournaments and we had as you said the tournament that we had with you there And people are really excited about the idea of grass tennis. People are coming from California on an annual basis to come out to Michigan to play grass tennis. So there's definitely a market for it. It's just you just got to awaken that market.
2: Well, uh, Steve Tigner from Tennis Magazine, Tennis.com. He wrote a great article after our U.S. Grass Courts Championships where he talked about, you know, that, the Wesson Lawn Tennis Club, you know, could be kind of like the national grass court tennis club and to sell national memberships. And, you know, like you said, people were, uh, you know, we'll fly in from uh, from from way out of town just to have a weekend on the grass and et cetera. And, you know, we drew really well for our U.S. grass courts tournament. We had, you know, players from pretty much all around you know, the country and even, you know, players from Canada coming down to play in the tournament. So yeah, I'm a big proponent of grass court tennis. And I think that really adds value to a club that you can say, Hey, we have grass court tennis courts. And, um, you know, as long as, you know, if you have the, if you you have the budget, you know, or if you have the grass, uh, 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 you know operations with a, with the golf club also at your club it really could be um something special so how can people uh find you Lama, if they uh want to uh hire you as a consultant to uh, talk about grass court tennis
3: um so my email uh, it's a little funky it's m-a-j-i-c-l-a-m-a at gmail.com um you can find me there um i don't have my business phone number anymore but um you can also find me on on facebook my name is la Maurice gardner uh if you're to send me a message over facebook messenger contact me there um
2: and certainly you know you and i are connected so um Mm. you know people can reach out to me as well you know rwalker at newchaptermedia.com and uh at tennis publisher on uh, Twitter and uh, Instagram, and my uh, business is uh, website is newchaptermedia.com. So, you know, certainly if you reach out to me, I can put you in touch with Llama and we can get some grass court tennis revival here in the United States and, uh, you know, at your club or at your town or at your facility. So, Llama, great conversation. I think people really get a, an interesting perspective uh, here on grass court tennis. And uh, hopefully we can uh, have you creating some more courts around the country sometime soon or someplace, you know, around the world, too. I guess you're not uh, <laughs> adhered to uh, only the United States. But uh, but thanks for joining us and uh, hope grass it. court tennis uh, in the future.
0: Thank you for listening to BeyondTheBaselines.com podcast. It's a pleasure bringing you each week's news and views and great guests from our tennis, fitness, and country club industries. You can always reach the team here at beyondthebaselines at gmail.com or on the phone at 508-538-1288. Please do visit our website at www.beyondthebaselines.com, which is updated regularly with even more information for you,
1: your club, or your facility. See you again soon.